The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. I noticed you added a jingles track. Is that something that you have part of your template, or did you go in and add that track? Nope, added it as Or a did part I of the- add it and forget about it? Nope, I added it as a part of the template before I saved it. Okay. More precisely, what I did is I saved the template and I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to always add a track in there for the for the music or whatever anyway. Or if we decide to throw in any, any other stuff, let me go add that and then rewrote over the top of the template. So, yeah, but it is a part of the template. So I made a change and you might want to make it on your template. You don't have to because I'll go in and check it every time. But uh, track three for jingles needs to be four channels and then have inputs from tracks one and track two. Ah, On to auxiliary channels three and four uh, for both of those. That would have been able to. Okay, gotcha. That would have been able to uh, do the side chain thing. So if yep. we have music playing, it'll push it out. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Walk me through that That's, one more time. Say that one more time. All right. So we have track one, which is you, track two, which is me, and track three, which is Jingles, is what it's currently named. Track three, you need to go into the uh, I input, I think is what it's called, or info or whatever, but tap I on track three, uh, turn it from two channels to four channels, and then go to receives and add two different receives, one from track one and one from track two. On Windows, I don't remember how to do it on the Mac, but on Windows, press the Applications key on the Delete button for Track 1 and then on the Delete for Track 2. Go up to Audio and change that to, instead of being Channels 1, 2, to Channels 3, 4 uh, for both of those. And then what I will do is when I'm doing Final Processing, I will add the Recomp uh, Compression plugin. And then I will have that only be triggered by what's coming in on the auxiliary channels, which is three and four. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. I figured um, I'd go more. I, I knew you said gotcha a couple of times, but I'm like, I'm, I, I'm ready explaining it now. We could just leave this in the episode and go more in depth and, and explain it to other people of what we do. <laughs> yeah. That's one reason I want you to say it again is because you breezed by it to a point that like I knew what you meant to do, but I was like, explain it. That way we can drop it into show uh, and also make sure that what I think you were saying is what you were saying, which is true. Uh, I yeah. don't remember off the top of my head the key command to get there on the Mac, but uh, I do know how to get there. I'm familiar with that screen. And this time we'll actually have enough time to create some real show notes because I didn't. I did. I just did a half-ass job show notes for 56. I just got them out there, and I don't even think I included any links. But for DM58 at yourownpay.com/dm58, we will link to the podcast that Garth did talking all about Reaper uh, that series because I don't know how many times I send people to audio.pizza or or somewhere of Garth's content. So that way they can find that content. I, I think he created like re-accessibility or something, uh, but we'll figure it out and link to it in the show notes because that's a valuable resource. He's also switched URL several times. Uh, I know they can be found, <laughs> but we, we will link you directly to uh, Garf's content in general for Reaper, as well as a direct link to his uh, particular episode on side chaining in reaper so you yes. can figure all that out because yes. uh, that's how i learned how to do it shout out to garth man garth does spectacular work 
He does. Uh, take a note in drafts about that, so that way we don't forget to put that in there, and then we'll just do we'll just share the draft or something. Like you can send it to me or whatever. Uh, Garth is guilty though. Uh, if you've listened to one of their podcasts, and I can't remember the name of it right now, where all three of them are on it. Um, Audio roundtable. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Garth is guilty of spending way too much time on WhatsApp trying to help people out. So uh, from my understanding, he's gotten better at that. But great guy. Really appreciate it. Never met him. Need to interview him for PPBI when I launch that again. That just kind of came to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but it's time. Damasi and Michael just talking tech. So, what was that you were mentioning when we were on the phone getting this meet set up? Ah, so we were talking, uh, and I was looking for a folder on my Mac for the app Bunch, and we will put a link to Bunch uh, in the show notes, and I will explain to you what Bunch is. So, Bunch is an application that was written by Brett Terpstra. Uh, guy who also makes marked uh brett makes a lot of interesting utilities make the markdown service tools for mac os uh several other tools bunch lets you launch and close applications as well as control some of your system settings uh by writing in a particular syntax in a text file uh Mm -hmm. which is close very similar to markdown syntax there are some uh, no differences but it is very simple uh syntax for controlling this so i'm going to get these wrong off the top of my head because i don't remember them by heart i always have to reference a file and they're like oh yeah that's how you open a file or open a app or whatever but let's just say it's the at sign plus app name will open up an app or at sign plus a file name will open that file uh in its default app on mac os so i could Mm -hmm. type in at google chrome at reaper uh at drafts um, and at audio hijack. Yeah, at audio hijack. And then when I run that bunch, and you can run bunches several different ways. There's a menu bar app, uh, or you can run it from your dock. If you pop it up in the dock, you get a menu that will show the different bunches that you have. Each bunch is separated into files, so I can have like this would be my DM show bunch, for example. Uh, so I could actually have it open up Google Chrome uh, or just open up meet.google.com automatically. And it's going to open ah. that in Chrome right now because Chrome is set as my default browser. There's tricks, you know, ways to make it open up Chrome specifically and then yeah. type in that URL. Uh, but when I run that bunch, either by triggering it from a menu or a keyboard shortcut, uh, what it will do is the things that I told it to do. So it'll open Google Chrome, it'll open Reaper, it'll open Audio Hijack. Uh, and, and drafts. It, and drafts and i can optionally say you know i think uh let's just say it's exclamation point drafts it will set focus to drafts after it's opened up all those applications it will actually move my focus to that particular window uh you can also have it close apps so any you can there's ways to write it so that it will close any app that is not in the list of apps that you want it open. So anything outside of those apps that I have put in there to open, close all of that crap, or just close specific applications uh, or quit mm-hmm. specific applications. So podcasting, for example, a lot of times you want to pause or stop Dropbox or Google Drive or whatever from syncing in the background. Well, you know, you just quit those apps. Uh, 
There's also ways to control some system settings. Uh, he recently added a way to control like the uh, to switch input. So set your, your input and your output uh, control volume for specific inputs or outputs. Uh, you can also just control the default volume for whatever your default uh, input or output device is. Does a lot of cool things. So we'll link to it in the show notes. What I'm actually working on since he's added a couple of new features is a actual DM uh, show bunch, but he's added a bunch snippets so let's say whenever i'm podcasting i'm always going to open up reaper and i'm always going to open up drafts and audio hijack for example i can put those in a podcast bunch and then for dm show i can say you know uh run the podcast bunch uh as well as open up you know meet.google.com because me and michael always use google meet uh but if i'm talking to marty well open facetime so run the whatever we're going to call that show uh, bunch and it'll do that. So what I'm working on is a actual DM show bunch so that it'll quit everything that I don't need running, open up the stuff that I need open. Uh, once I fix our Google Docs situation, just automatically open up that Google Docs so we can get back to typing into Google Docs because this is weird. We're not typing into Google Docs and it's very strange. Uh, also makes the show notes more difficult because we do pretty good with the Google Docs. And I think I just lost Mike. No, Mike just came back. Ah. So Mike was in <laughs> and then Mike was out. Did you know if you hit I didn't know you were going. I heard the ding and then that's when you came back. And I was like, <laughs> I think I just lost Mike because I thought it was dinging because you left. And it was like, oh no, Mike oh, just came oh, back. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Did you know if you hit Alt F4, it'll close Chrome like all the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Instead nope. of Control F4 to close a tab? Yeah, man. That's what happens. No warning either. See, it's now little don't things. You, now don't you wish you had that little thing on in Chrome where it says, are you sure you want to quit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In that instance, I'm like, man, how come it, how come it didn't ask me? Oh, <laughs> probably because I disabled that. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't even know if that's an option. It know. is. But it is. it's I'll, little I'll things like on. Bunch that, that really make me miss the Mac at times. But then, and I've got a question about Bunch for you two here in a minute. But then I realized that I didn't like having to interact with everything to do anything. And maybe there's a way around that, but windows mm -hmm. has kind of spoiled me with that. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, cause I was thinking about this tool when I was talking to Desiree earlier about her new computer. Can you, you, are you using launch bar number one and number two, can you run a bunch from launch bar? Um, I will never stop using launch bar to answer your first question. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Launch Bar is one of those Mac apps that's kind of up there with, you know, uh, if it was available anywhere else, I would use it everywhere else. So, yeah, I am using Launch Bar. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can run a bunch from Launch Bar. That is another way to trigger a bunch. Interesting. Because Desiree was saying how how this new device that she's acquired is is making her so much more productive. And I was thinking, man, I wonder if Demasi's introduced her to Launch Bar because if she wants to see productivity. <laughs> no, no, Demasi has not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that might yeah. be a thing to do at some point. Uh, I got to finish this one password thing before I get involved in anything else, man. Yeah. One password is important. It is. It's the most important. I couldn't, look, <laughs> I couldn't authorize my version of LaunchBar if I didn't have right? one password because I wouldn't know where the hell my license is. It may be stored in my Gmail somewhere, but who knows? 
I might have deleted That's it funny. instead of archiving it. I have my JAWS serial number and one password now. And the other day, well, a couple months ago, I was, man, I've almost been with FCR again for three months. Can't believe it's been that long. Hmm. Huh. Started July 21st. By the time this publishes, it'll be just about, it'll be about three months right then, actually. Because this will publish two weeks in a day from today. Yeah. No, three weeks in a day from today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not publishing tomorrow. We're publishing next week. Anyways, uh, I had to find my JAWS serial number, so I had to grab it out of one password. And uh, I realized how, though I had to transfer information from my phone to the computer because I couldn't sign into one password on the work computer, it was a lot more convenient than trying to find it in Gmail to transfer it. Like, I knew where to go in one password. I probably could have found it in Gmail, but it's one of those what's what do you want to spend your time doing? Looking for that email that has that that serial number, that 25-digit authorization key in it, or do you want to just open one password, go to licenses, and grab the key right there? Yeah, and know exactly where it is, right? Because unless yeah. you, you, you specifically know the email address that they sent it from, like just typing in JAWS and serial number, it's probably also going to yield results from things that you were not yes. anticipating. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that that is why that, I put all of my license keys into one uh, password. A tip for people, as I mentioned once before on a, on an episode of the DM show, sometimes I share links to bundles. Uh, the place I usually share links to is bundle bundle hunt uh, at bundlehunt.com. They oftentimes have pick a you know pick your app bundles instead of it just being like you know seventeen apps for. You know, twenty nine ninety nine, and you only want like two of those fucking apps. Like the rest of it is like, I don't even know what the hell that garbage is. Uh, not that they're necessarily garbage apps, but I have no use for them. Uh, bundle Hut tends to let you pick the apps that you want in a bundle. Uh, but one of the things that Bundle Hunt does that I really like is that they will give you an, a you can export your license keys from a purchase in a CSV file, which you can then turn around and import directly into one password. Uh, which means I don't have to type in the serial numbers and all of that crap. It just imports all of that from the CSV file and they're all now added as uh, licenses. And then one password will properly put those in the fields that they yes. should be. Or? So oh. that import process, I did not yeah, know so that. Import, so here, here's the key things. And I was going to get to this and I, I stopped for you to actually say something like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's the key thing about CSV imports into one password. So first of all, whatever you're importing uh, has to be, and I'm not going to check this because I think I know what I'm talking about. If I'm wrong, then it comes out better for everybody. Uh, I'm not telling you misinformation is going to break anything. Uh, when you import something like that from a CSV file into one password, it, the item type has to be all the same. So like it has to all be, you know, uh, mm. software licenses or all has to be logins. You can't have a mixture of things and expect it to parse it. Uh, so you select right. a file, uh, you select what you're importing. So you're telling one password, these are software licenses or, uh, and then you hit the import button and it will go through and parse all of those things. Uh, there is a, I don't know how particular you have to be about the format because I've never had reason. Therefore, I've never taken the time to actually try to build my own CSV file and see what happens when I try to import it. Uh, but mm -hmm. uh, it does work. And typically what I see in the bundle hunt 
uh, files is uh, app name, uh, software license, and then the purchaser uh, information. Uh, like your name yeah, and email yeah. address. Uh, and it just sucks all that in. So when I buy a bundle of apps from Bundle Hunt, I usually just download the CSV once I'm done and import that into one password, and then I'm done. I have all of those licenses. So I have, at the time of recording... Can you, while you're logging in, I'm going to ask hmm? a question. Can you export your iCloud keychain data into a CSV to import into one password. I am going to give you two answers to that question. Uh, <laughs> number one, my honest answer is I do not know. I am not certain. My, I believe I'm correct answer is I don't think so. Right. I don't think so either. Or I would have done it a while ago, I think. Because uh, I... Literally, that was the first thing. One of the first things I did is that when I disabled uh, iCloud Keychain Password Fill or whatever it's called, and then I enabled One Password Autofill, and then thanks to Demasi's tip, I went in and I set a PIN number because of the iPhone X that I'm using right now, Face ID isn't working on it, so I have to enter pins for everything. And so once I set a PIN number, it's super easy. I just hit that password button above the keyboard. And then I enter my pin, which I find it faster to split tap, which is nice. Uh, it's one of those basic features, but when you're trying to enter something quickly, just slide your finger around, find the buttons you need, tap another finger down once you find that like six or whatever. And then I split tap and then I get into one password. I find the content that I need, double tap on that and it fills it in. And then I go on with my day. So no, it's not as fast as if I was using biometrics authentication, but I've, I've found workarounds. My uh, PIN number, and I can tell people this, and if they steal my phone, you're not going to get a lot of data, is six of the same characters. Super not secure at all, but it makes, but, but in order to make my life more convenient, I'm willing to give up the security that I would have if I needed six totally different characters in my password, mainly because I literally am going nowhere with my phone right now. <laughs> makes sense. So. Yeah, just put my finger on that one number and then split tap six different times and I'm in my phone. It takes like a second. Super fast. Hmm. I don't see a quick way to... You know, I don't spend enough time actually browsing through one password. So you were there. I, I was starting to freak out. I was checking my Wi-Fi thinking. No, I, I was <laughs> looking I for <laughs> the categories in 1Password so I could see how many software licenses I had in there. I know it's over 200, but I want to actually see what they were. Uh, some of those is because yeah. uh, in my early 1Password days, I did not. Uh, I would Every time I had to upgrade a license and if I got a new license key, I would just create a whole new entry. What I have since started to do subsequently is to just add a new field with the version number uh -huh. as the label, you know, as the field title and then the new, you know, serial number added there. Serial so it cuts number. down on yeah. me typing in, you know, screen flow, for example, and I got four inches for screen flow. And it's like, well, man, that drives me crazy sometimes. 
And they're just like, well, why don't I've, you? I've, I've started cleaning my, my one password up. It's, it's yeah, a process. That's what I was about to say. It's not something I'm going to do tomorrow. That's what I was about to say. It's like, you know, the first obvious question somebody is yelling is, well, why don't you just delete the stuff that was old? Well, for a while there, this screen flow worked on this version, but I needed that screen flow or something for like that. You get into those situations, right? Where I need yeah. this version for this version of the OS, but I am also running the version of the OS over there. Uh, but yeah, I have started to clean up some of my stuff too because I do have a ton of contacts and one password uh, data are two things that I need to spend significant time cleaning up. Uh, so like yeah. you, or at least I think like you, I'm just kind of going at a little piecemeal like, mm, that doesn't need to be there. Let me delete that real quick because it's the results of a yep. search, right? Well, just delete that one because it doesn't need to exist anymore. And one thing to be aware with one password and, and I didn't realize this until I realized this. Yeah. Yeah. If you delete something and it's not and like all of a sudden like, man, I, I wish I wouldn't have deleted that. It won't show up in your autofill, but if you go back into the trash, you can, you can recover. I don't know if there's a certain time that that stays there or not, but yeah, that trash is saved me. Yeah. My typical, there may be a cutoff date. I've never seen a setting for it, so I don't know what it is. Uh, I have periodically probably like twice a year gone in and just hit the empty trash uh, deal. And then mm-hmm. that way it's gone uh, because if I haven't remembered something, but yeah, I've done that by accident too. Where I've actually, I meant to delete one thing, but I moved one step too far before I hit delete. Uh, yep. I was like, Oh crap. It's like, Oh yeah, wait, there's a trash. <laughs> uh, undo that. Thank you, sir. Right. right. Uh, yeah. One password is amazing. Uh, is all I have to say. So speaking of iOS, I've uh, been playing with shortcuts a little bit and been playing with that shortcuts toolbox pro and push cut. That is an amazing oh, tool man. that I need to use yeah. more. Mike's back on like, iOS people. Just that is awesome. Might've missed that somewhere at some point. I yeah. think we mentioned <laughs> it in the last show, but I'm not, I don't remember now. Uh, yeah, I don't remember either. But Mike yeah. is now officially um, all the way back on iOS. Uh, so yeah, yes. now he's playing with shortcuts. I have a brand new pixel in the other room that I need to set up for AMI because that's part of my content strategy that I'm doing with them. Uh, is walking them through. I got a lot of feedback on the one that aired today for deleting your pixel, uh, like for wiping it with assistive technology. Like everyone, Matt even said the the engineer even goes, "That's a pretty good demo." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm kind of proud of it." Yeah, good deal. <laughs> and and I didn't even use a mixer for it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good deal, uh, and you really couldn't tell. Like yeah. I I couldn't really tell that. So you, you actually did quite well in the way that you handled that problem, which is why I asked you, because uh, I got to hear it before Mike published it. Uh, is why I asked you, right. like, how did you actually accomplish it? Because I'm like, yeah, that sounds really, uh, really clean. Now, I will tell you, aside from us having to spend all of our money on this stupid Prius, although I do like the gas mileage, um, we... So there was an analog Yamaha mixer, six channels that was posted for $110 on one of our Facebook groups locally. And I've been, I keep going back to it to see if someone's taking it. Cause it's not ideal. It's not exactly what I need, but it could give me other inputs to bring audio into the computer. So I, I have considered it, uh, a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to buy that though, but it, it's something that I keep looking back at because iOS, there's a lot of people teaching iOS, 
but there's not a lot of people teaching the things I might want to teach on iOS. Same mm. with you. Like the things you would want to teach, I don't hear people teaching those yeah. things. And those are the gaps, I think. Like, so, I, 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 yeah, those, those are some of the gaps because a lot of people could do a lot more, be a lot more productive, uh, even just in a day to day work job. Like, even if you go hit a clock every yep. day or whatever, uh, I don't hear people covering those types of topics uh, when it comes to iOS. So stay tuned for some sponsored content in the near future because we're gonna we're gonna do something. Absolutely. Now that we're both on iPhone, we both can teach a lot of cool things. I think. Yeah, there, there's a lot there. there. There's a lot to flesh out there. Shortcuts <laughs> is a, is still a major stumbling block for people. Uh, yeah. Uh, major stumbling block for people, and now people are more interested in them because you're seeing more. Uh, they're getting more attention now from the general media. So people are now more interested in shortcuts, but they still, you know, are struggling getting started. So yeah. Content on the way. And Apple, Apple has done some great things with shortcuts. Like that could have been a downfall where they, and and they got some, they got a boost when it was a workflow and they had already implemented a lot of the accessibility features, but like you can swipe down on, I'm telling the listeners this, I know you already know this, but you can swipe down on an action and move it up or delete it or move it down. Like you can rearrange all of your shortcuts if mm-hmm. you need to. And it's, it's impressive. Yeah. They, they have really done a spectacular job. Uh, that actually, those features there were added after Apple acquired it. Uh, cause I don't think they even existed ah. during workflows time. Uh, or the functionality, the APIs weren't yeah. exposed to third parties at that time. I'll put it to you that way. I think Apple had some of that crap, but, you know, they're Apple. But, yeah, they, they have continued right. to uh, work on and improve the accessibility or make sure as they incorporate new features that they're also accessible. Uh, yeah, good, good deal on them, honestly, because I was one of those people that was somewhat worried, not that they were just going to squash the app. I figured it would stay around, but I didn't expect it to become a focus as much as it has been. Uh, and even nowadays, like Apple doesn't spend a ton of time in any kind of, uh, you know, public facing. They, they may talk about it a lot more. I would say in developer uh, videos for WWDC, but just in their general keynotes, like they don't spend a ton of time talking about shortcuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we've talked about shortcuts probably more right now than they have the entire year of 2020. <laughs> Uh, from an Apple standpoint, but it continues to get that support and people continue to flesh out what, what is there and their documentation is getting better on it. So that's good. And they're adding more actions. It seems with each OS update. So that's pretty positive. And I've been using, I, I told you this offline launch center pro, and I'm starting to really like that too, because of the, like one thing that I did finally get set up, uh, I think I mentioned this to you, is I wanted a quick way to launch into different regular Zoom meetings. Oh, yeah. uh, so now I have a folder in Launch Center that says Zoom on the bottom left corner. So I launch Launch Center, I tap on Zoom, and then for me it's easier because my finger's already down there. I'm using the bottom rows. Uh, of icons there. So then I can just tap on ACB of Oregon, for example, and that will launch the ACB of Oregon PMI and I can get into that, that personal meeting, or I can type our uh, weekly zoom room and I tap that and it launches into the zoom, zoom meeting. And you know, it's, it, it works very smoothly. I'm it's, it's not, 
necessarily easier than going into Zoom, tapping on join, tapping on recent meetings, and then choosing the meeting. But it is less taps. And that less that that amount of less taps reminds me each because like literally I open launch, tap zoom, and tap whichever Zoom meeting I want. So it's three taps versus opening Zoom, tapping join, tapping recent Zoom meetings, and then tapping done on the Zoom meeting that I actually want to join. So it it doesn't save me a lot of time, but the fractions of seconds that it does save me and how quickly it happens makes me re- remember. I'm like, man, you know. I probably actually, I know I could have done something like this on Android, even if that was adding the zoom meeting to my home screen or something. But the, the way that voiceover interacts with that third party app being launch center and how quickly I can get that task accomplished. I just, I, I I'm happy with iOS again and don't get me wrong. I, I do enjoy Android and I'm not completely ditching Android. I've got commitments to keep me on Android that, that I'm happy with. Uh, but I'm, I'm so much more productive on iOS and I can get more done on iOS. Kind of like for me right now, windows is, is what I can quickly get stuff done every day. I probably could, well, I know I could do the same tasks on the Mac and in some instances it would be faster, but for me, I'm just more comfortable on windows. Although that might change in the near future because uh, apps like but. Bunch and Audio Hijack <laughs> and, and, and Launch Bar <laughs> and Drafts. Uh, See, they just keep adding uh, up. Do you have a secret for the interaction problem or do you do you feel my pain a little bit with having to interact with everything? Um, I, I can empathize with your pain. It doesn't bother me as much, but I also have not been back to Windows and gotten out, gotten out of that habit. Uh, so there are a couple of ways that I deal with it. One way very quickly to deal with it for you and probably a way that you may want to explore first is go into voiceover utility navigation. And the option that you want to change is, uh, grouping behavior by default. It is set to standard. It is a pop-up button. You want to go down and hit either you can try all three of these out uh i would say ignore groups which means you won't have to interact with things uh announce groups Mm -hmm. may be one that you want to keep on because that at least will alert you when you navigate into an area that does that that would ordinarily be something to interact with uh bookend groups i'm not really sure what they do but play with those settings uh yeah uh, ignore groups is just going to give you just a straight flat navigation that you would get uh, kind of in, in JAWS uh, for the most part. So there's no interacting yeah. with anything. I'll play with those because Mallory has this perfectly good MacBook that Andrew has kind of acquired for schoolwork. Uh, yeah, that's he's using a $2,200 computer to do Zoom meetings on. <laughs> <laughs> no google meet meetings they google don't use zoom meet anymore on and type into google docs <laughs> man that kid is yes the fucking yes yeah uh, right the other way that i deal with because i don't i haven't ever changed those settings since very early on when they first added them and it was more for me to get familiar with how they functioned uh to offer them as an alternative which was funnily enough about six years ago uh when i was teaching mac os <laughs> on a regular basis uh, but the thing that I do quite a bit when it comes to applications to get around to interact, stop interacting, interact, stop interacting is VOJ. 
uh, will jump mm-hmm. you through uh, different groups on a page. I always forget about that because I I use it in mail all the time. Well, used it in mail all the time, but I forget that you can do that in mm-hmm. other applications uh, too. So I use that quite a bit. And what that does uh, for people listening is just jump you, you know, let's say you're in the um, mailbox view of mail and you navigate to your, your you know, my super secret project mailbox. And instead of stopping, interacting with the mailbox view, navigating over to the message view, interacting with that table, and then navigating through the message, just tapping VOJ uh, will jump you right into the message list. Uh, hitting VOJ again will jump you back. Uh, if there's nothing after that, uh, it will jump you to whatever the next element is. If there's not anything next, and it will start wrapping you back around through the beginning. Uh, and typically, I've seen it misbehave in some places, but typically it's only jumping you through like the table views, things that you will interact with so you can navigate a list or, or read through an actual document or something like that. Maybe I will have to play with the Mac a little more, and maybe we'll be announcing that I'm back on the Mac playing with LaunchBar because I miss LaunchBar. When I'm trying to find a file, I'm like, man, if I had LaunchBar, this would be so much easier. <laughs> yeah, I uh, LaunchBar is nice, man. We have to we have to do a we have to do a follow up on LaunchBar. Yeah, follow up to LaunchBar that. Is, is is continuing to keep up, even though they're not getting as many updates. There are features I hear you, Alfred people out there. Uh, there are some functions or features that Alfred has, or they have actions for in Alfred that do not exist in LaunchBar. Uh, to answer the inevitable question uh, from any listener, because we have gotten this before, I think we did the LaunchBar show. We got this question: Why do you guys not use Alfred? Uh, I don't remember what I said back then. Uh, I'll probably say this because I don't like it. Uh, but taking a second look at Alfred, uh, not too long ago, it doesn't feel right to me. And I don't mean that it's a bad app right. or anything like that. It's just, if I can't really qualify this to people in the right way unless you just get it. Like, if you understand what I'm saying, then you get it. If you don't, I don't really know how to explain it to you in a way that makes, you know, logical sense. Some things feel nice. Some applications feel nice when you open them up and you use them, and some don't. Uh, and whenever I have a choice, I choose to use the apps that feel best to me. So initially, I tried LaunchBar and Alfred. I actually tried Alfred first. Uh, on the recommendation of a mm-hmm. uh, mutual acquaintance of my, mine and Mike's uh, because that's what they were using. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give this thing a try. And I tried it out and I did not like the way it worked. There were some things that were weird that I expected to work in a certain way that did not. I tried launch bar and launch bar just felt, it's like, oh, yep, erroring up and down does exactly what I expected to do. Moving over right here, yeah, that works. All these things feel great. Launch bar it is. I immediately went and purchased a license for launch bar uh, because it just felt like a better app to me. Uh, and Mike, I'm gonna ask you like, does that does that make sense to you in general? Like some things, some applications, you know, feel it's not like a physical thing, right? It's not like oh, you know, but it, right. do, do you kind of grasp what I mean when I say like it feels better? I understand. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's it's like if you were as if a sighted user was to 
open an app and let's say the contrast is horrible or the layout of the user interface is horrible. It just doesn't feel it will accomplish the tasks you need it to do. But if it doesn't feel right to the end user, then they're going to be less likely to actually open that application and less likely to use it to, to perform the tasks they need to. And, you know, it's, it's one of those applications. I don't know when the last time launch bar updated. I do know that the last time Demasi and I talked about launch bar was August 22nd, uh, 2017. That was back in our short episodes days when we were running 14 oh, minute man. episodes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> but we were also publishing every week. Uh, uh so I, I, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like word. I have a love hate relationship with word. I can use it. I have no problem with using it, but it, I would prefer to just type something up in, in Google docs, or I would prefer to type something up in, in notepad. I almost said text edit. Uh, but yeah, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those apps. It can be done, but where are you more comfortable with? And for Demasi, it was launch bar and I never tried. Uh, no, I did try Alfred, I think once or twice after we recorded this episode. And I just went back to launch bar probably because that's what I was comfortable with. Um, just like I have not had that much experience with keyboard maestro. Mm -hmm. I think it is. Yeah. Keyboard maestro. Um, I was more comfortable with getting the automated tasks that I needed to be done within the limitations of text expander because I felt comfortable in text expander. I don't know if that would be the case now because you can do so much with keyboard maestro, but that that's kind of the, the same thing is I felt more comfortable in text expander, but the features of keyboard maestro are substantially more, more available than in text yeah. expander. Cause makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. There's a, a it's like jaws and NVDA. Yeah. Oh, Some man. users it prefer to use Jaws, like that, right? Like if you don't require yeah. any of the advanced features of Jaws, for example, you're you're just a. Which by the time I actually made the switch over to NVDA, there really was nothing Jaws could offer me that NVDA could not. I actually liked the mm -hmm. NVDA navigation model a little bit better than I did that of Jaws, uh, because I just felt like it was it was more in touch with the way that I want to move around. Like, I can't really explain it to you again, but yeah, if, if you're one of those people where you've tried both right. of them, you're like, yeah, I just, you know, NVDA is better. I like Jaws better. And it's not because, oh, X verse, you know, this app or this program doesn't do this, or I don't like, you know, it does that, et cetera, et cetera. It's like Mike's conversation with Word. Like, I can use pages, but I prefer not to. Like, if I have to go open up pages, I can use it. I could probably go open up Word and use it. Yep. Uh, but I like the way that drafts works. I like the way, uh, another good example, Ulysses and Byword, right? I think those are, they're, they're not really comparative, <laughs> but they are in a lot of ways because they're markdown editors uh, right. and they offer some, you know, features for exporting your documents and also publishing the WordPress. I have found a tool that supposedly is equivalent to launch bar on windows and I got it installed and I even hit alt space and fully inaccessible. Oh, that is the worst. <laughs> that, that is the worst. We still get that on the Mac though. Yes. I was listening to uh, yes. a uh, friend of ours, internet friend of ours, famous podcaster, uh, Allison Sheridan show, <laughs> uh, the no silly cast, the most recent episode published on so yesterday yes uh sunday october 2nd 2020 uh and she was talking about this app uh october 4th what did i say you said the second i said the, uh, oh ah uh, october 
fourth. Yeah, <laughs> like I might have said August. Also, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, October fourth, two thousand twenty. Uh, episode of No Silicast. Uh, she talked about a um, screen recording application that is uh-huh. cloud based. I forget the name of the top of my head. Uh, Zoom. I think it's the name of it. Yes. Uh, yes. We'll drop a link to her show in the show notes. You can take a listen at it. Uh, sounded very interesting, right? And the first question I had, when mm-hmm. she answered the first question I had, which was, does it have keyboard shortcuts? Because I don't really want to have to be bothered with it, especially since, so basically the premise of this app is that you can uh, screen record uh, on the Mac. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the mobile apps at all because I think I kind of tuned out on those. Uh, but the Mac application, uh, maybe they have a Windows version too, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, okay. they do have a Windows version. It's on all four platforms. Uh, well, she was talking about the Mac version, so you can record your screen. And you know, initially, you're asked, do you want to do a screen recording? You know, record your screen plus your camera, uh, or just your screen, or just your camera, or etc. Right, and then you can pick to record yep. strictly a application window, uh, full, you know, the entire screen, or draw your own custom screen area. All of those things are nice, especially to record just your screen part of it. I mean, just mm-hmm. your uh, application, just the application part of it. Uh, and then, of course, you can route in your microphone and, and do some other things there. Well, she talked about the app. I'm like, huh, that sounds cool. And it is recording while you're recording. It is streaming those bits up to the Loom cloud so that they're stored. So by the time yeah. you're done recording, everything is actually already uploaded, uh, which is nice. And you can go to your account and grab a link, share that, do whatever you want to do with it. Uh, yep. Yeah, free plans and have paid plans. So, uh, nice service. Sounds good. Uh, here's the thing. The first question I had was not, is it accessible? But the first question I had, because she was talking about while you're recording, there's a menu that kind of hangs out on the side. And I'm familiar with that. You get that with the uh, Mac OS uh, built-in screen recording tool. So does uh, ScreenFlow. Right. Sticks a little menu up there in your menu extras uh, where you can control, pause, you know, stop, etc. You're recording. So my first question that I had was, man, does it have a keyboard shortcut to pause or stop recording? Because I don't want the end of my videos to always be me going up to this menu to try to stop it. Yep. Uh, and then I have to go download the video so I can edit it, uh, trim off that little bit or whatever. And she's like, oh, man, there's screen shortcuts for this and this and this. I'm like, all right, cool. Great deal. And then she got to, obviously, the second question for me as a blind person, which is like, well, she doesn't answer that question. I'll go check it out because it's free. It is not accessible. Yeah. I was like, geez. And it is not accessible on iOS either. Uh, I was like, geez. This 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 is like a solution that is slightly better than the built-in Apple one, uh, mm-hmm. but less expensive and less overhead than something like ScreenFlow because if you only need it for, oh, I want to show this developer this thing uh, or whatever, then, okay, great. It's a free app, and it gives you a little bit more functionality than does the uh, built-in Apple tool. And I'm going to be honest with you, without, what's the best way to put this? Uh, without something like Loopback in the mix, I believe it is fairly impossible for you to be able to record yourself talking into a microphone and the audio from your computer at the same time as you're recording your screen. Uh, ScreenFlow does offer this capability without having something like Loopback in the mix, but ScreenFlow is also 129 bucks. The last time I looked, it may have went up to 149 Right, because when I first got ScreenFlow, it was only 99 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the price has gone up over the years. When I first got it, it was 99 bucks as well. My 
main issue with screen flow outside of the cost some people don't need to pay that cost and, and including you know people who just need to do quick screencasts like uh and also feel the same way about loopback like i love loopback it is one of my favorite tools uh ever created by rogan me but i think i would actually choose loopback over audio hijack yeah. if i had to make a choice yep. uh but it is i'm not gonna say out of the price range but it is a crazy amount of money at 100 bucks uh for Every, you know it's a crazy amount for our friend Amanda Hill right like that's that's a little too much money for her to spend for something she doesn't need on a regular basis I am constantly using right. Loopback right. I'm using it right now <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's using it to help uh, save our audio when I go dropping out <laughs> uh, yeah I am using it right now the last couple of episodes that you have heard have been recorded all through the use you know capabilities yep. provided to us by Loopback uh, to recorded directly in Reaper yep. thanks Reaper and Rogue Amoeba uh, Kakos man there's and a lot of it, and, and you gotta give credit to Osara <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah mm. You know what? I'm sorry, because, yeah, Osara is like one of those tools where it's like, you know, it's there, right? And then you forget that it's there until you need to update it or something. Yeah. Somebody's like, man, you got to get, you know, like, yeah. And, and it's not neglect of the tool itself. It's just like, man, it does its it thing does. and it gets out of the way to where you just, you, you expect, it's like, it's a part of Reaper to yep. me at this point. I guess it's yep. a better way to put it. It's like, I don't install, I cannot install Reaper without installing Osara. I believe if I were setting a Reaper for somebody else on their computer who did not use voiceover at all, I would put a Sorrow on thing itself, showed them, <laughs> I would probably still just automatically go download Osara, go, go download SWS yeah. uh, and install those yeah. as well. And uh, even if I never had any intention whatsoever using that computer, <laughs> uh, just because it's, it's, it's a part of the process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, tool sounded great. No accessibility. So we, we still get that, man. Uh, I'm going to try out loom so I can also submit some feedback. It's going to be a little weird. going to use, well, not weird to me, maybe weird to them. I'm going to use, uh, a, 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 uh, a competitor's product to record their product, not work. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes that's what you got to do to make, uh, changes. Like, um, uh, yeah, I want to go on a, I want to go on a slight rant All about right. screen flow. Just very quickly, because here's my problem with ScreenFlow, which I started down before we got into our love fest about Reaper and Osara and Rogue Amoeba uh, in general. ScreenFlow. Here's the biggest problem I have with ScreenFlow. They offer updates and they're pay upgrades and you get discounts for your pay to upgrade, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But none of the new stuff they add. Uh, one is not a feature I even really care about, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly it's not accessible so they're not improving the accessibility of the application as they're providing these updates so there are still things that are problematic to do in ScreenFlow that you should be able to do but they have either remained inaccessible or become more inaccessible over time uh, because it used to be fairly easy to navigate the timeline in uh, mm. ScreenFlow when I first started using it like ScreenFlow 5 possibly four. I was just going to say version five. Uh, where, yeah, that functionality is pretty much gone for a screen reduction now. You navigate into that area where that, that timeline used to be and for those not familiar with screen flow at all, Think about it with an audio editor, like navigating through the track, like being able to see the items in Reaper or or the you know the track information, the the, the, the data uh, in a yeah. track in, in uh, Amadeus Pro or, or Logic. Right, that ability is gone. Uh, you navigate into that area now in ScreenFlow, and it's just an empty area uh, that you can do nothing with. 
so not only are they making the app more inaccessible, adding features that while they're great features, I can understand why they're cool. I cannot use them. Now, some of them, to be fair, feature wise are things that the tech just really is not there today for that feature to be accessible to a blind person. Uh, but yeah, it's not it's like accessibility does not play a role. And I like I have not upgraded ScreenFlow since version seven. Uh, I think they're currently on version yeah. nine. It's one of the reasons I was in, really interested in Loom. Uh, and I probably will take the time to actually send them a recording and explain to them, you know, like, hey, this is what doesn't work. This is what I would like to see you do, because um, I don't really want to have to give ScreenFlow some more money. And by the time I get around to updating the Big Sur, I'm going to have to have a new version of ScreenFlow or I'm just going to uh-huh. be screwed uh, when it comes to that yep. functionality. Uh, another thing ScreenFlow b- broke for me, which is when I really kind of got on the particular soapbox that I happen to be standing on right now is, Mike, do you remember ScreenFlow Live? You could open it up on your Mac. You could plug your iPhone in. You could say, I want to record from mm-hmm. iPhone screen. Okay. And I also want to record audio from my microphone. Okay. And then you start recording and you pick up your iPhone and you go do your demo or whatever on your iPhone, right? Awesome. Uh-huh. You could hear voiceover from your iPhone as you were doing the demonstration right from within ScreenFlow. Yep. ScreenFlow 6 comes out. Guess what you have to now do? And you have to do these things in the right order, none of which I remember at the moment. <laughs> open up. <laughs> Let's see. I think you open up ScreenFlow first, select your iPhone, select your microphone, uh, and then, let's see, start the recording. Then go open QuickTime. And then start a new video recording in QuickTime. You don't actually have to record anything in QuickTime, but you do have to pretend that you're, you know, set it up as if you're starting a new video recording in QuickTime. Go over, choose the input device microphone to be your iPhone. Tweak the volume up so you can hear voiceover. Now you can hear what you're doing that's being displayed on the screen in ScreenFlow. Once you're done, you got to go snip out all of that blank space in the beginning of the ScreenFlow uh, file where you were going around opening up QuickTime. It is a super pain in the fucking ass. Uh, I, amongst other people I know in the blind community, have written to them several times at, at at that point in time. I have just stopped. I've given up. Right. Uh, but that is another reason yeah. I'm so super opposed to, you know, it's like you had this feature working and then you broke it. Right. Now, fair, fair is fair. I've never gotten this information from Telestream, the makers of ScreenFlow. Maybe Apple changed something that broke something and they couldn't work around it. But if that were mm-hmm. the case, here's how you deal with that. First of all, you say Apple. We're getting a ton of shit dumped on us because um, you did this thing and it's stopped us the ability to do this thing. Also, people who are dumping tons of shit on us about this problem. Here is what Apple did. Here is our bug report filed in radar or whatever that addresses this issue. Let Apple accessibility know that this is a problem for you. Right. I never got this information. If anybody else has ever gotten this information, I would love to hear from you. I've never heard such a thing from screen. I'll uh, tell a stream. Uh, anyway, rant over with. Fuck them. I ain't paying them no money. So, huh? Demasi, yeah. I have three task management apps on my iPhone and I'm not using any of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Mike, technically you have four because Reminders is now in that class as well. So, uh, yeah, I haven't even opened Reminders. I think I moved, I think I deleted that off my phone already. Man. Oh, man. Yeah. So, Mike. Yeah, what, I need to check that out. What you huh? got going on, Mike? You got uh, a note to do is on your phone. Uh, to do us, omnifocus, and things. Things, 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 things. 
I got a whole rant about things yes. too, but I ain't gonna go on it today. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's let's flesh this out a little bit for the listeners, because me and you have chatted about this a little bit offline. So coming back to iOS, uh, me and Mike both share a frustration uh, with Todoist, which is it does not do deferred dates. Uh, please do not send us that link to the Reddit thread on the guy explaining how he hacked away around doing this because <laughs> I read that thread. Mike shared it with me and I read it and I was like, you know what? As much as I want deferred dates, I ain't doing that. Uh, I'll go back to Omni. Remy's even read it and he can't figure it out. Yeah, I I will go back to OmniFocus and lose the ability to, uh, you know, connect my to-do app to web services before I go through that pain and headache. Uh, because all it takes is you making one mistake or missing one time. You need to do a thing and then the whole system is broke. But we both like deferred dates. For those not familiar with such a principle, deferred dates means I create a task and or project and I set the due date or the deferred date for this task. Excuse me. I set the deferred date for this task or, or project to be at some point in the future. What that means, that's not the due date for the project. That is the deferred date. It means when I look at any filter uh, or most filter views of my task list and OmniFocus, uh, if I look at today, if I look at what I have coming up for next week, if I do a, uh, what do they call it, a review, uh, and I'm looking at the next month, what's coming up in the next month, well, mm-hmm. this project for this thing is deferred until December 1st, so it will not show up. I won't see any of its task polluting my view. I won't see... Uh, progress info on this project polluting up any of my uh, perspectives I won't see it until it's available for me to do it now whatever reason that may be that it's not available for me to do it Uh, could be it's not available because I don't think I'm gonna have time to do it could be this ain't gonna be available to me until you know you know I don't know whatever Right, but I don't want to see. Or it. I don't have the money to pay that bill, so and I'm not going to have it until the end of the so month. I'm just so going to defer it. Yeah, don't keep time. showing it to me. Good, good example, Mike, because I was stuck there for a second. Uh, we both missed <laughs> this feature about OmniFocus. Uh, now, uh, of course, there's no OmniFocus on Android, so you know Mike being on Android for the past year and a half, almost two years, uh, is a reason that he stopped using it is because well, he was on iPhone. I mean, he was on Android. Uh, and Windows. So there's no OmniFocus anywhere over there. I haven't looked at OmniFocus for the web. Uh, OmniFocus on the web. Yeah, but that's fairly new, though. When you right. moved, none of that stuff was available. Uh, and OmniFocus for the web doesn't give you all the features that the apps do either. Uh, and I don't know how accessible it is because I was a terrible beta tester at the time that I was supposed to be beta testing that. Uh, <laughs> I just did not look at it because it's like, man, I'm all the way into Doist now. Uh but Todoist doesn't offer this feature. So Mike decided, I think, that he was going to try OmniFocus to see, you know, what could be done. Uh, and Mike gave me an idea, and I'll let Mike talk about his old experience and why he isn't doing anything with none of these task managers and where the hell things came from, because that wasn't a part of our conversation. Uh, but Mike actually gave me an <laughs> idea that has made me determined to take another look at OmniFocus. I have not yet opened it up. It is on my phone now. I still have not opened it up because I still have stuff to do is that I want to check off before I start going over there. Uh, But Mike's idea, because my reason for going to to do is was twofold. Number one, shared projects like that. That was key. Uh, shared projects over mm-hmm. there. Uh, the second side effect of me being into Doist is, oh yeah, it's a web service. So there's an API. I can connect it to a bunch of stuff. 
It makes stuff happen automatically. All right. I like this. This is fun. Haven't done quite as much with that as I would like to. Uh, some of it just being time to build out a thing. Uh, and some of it just, you know, I uh, just ain't get to it. I ain't got there yet because I didn't put yep. it in to do it. So therefore I didn't do it. <laughs> you know, wasn't it to do it. So I didn't do it. But Mike's idea, which was genius and I hadn't thought about it, is push cuts, uh, which, uh, Mike, I'll let you tell people about that since you've been using it recently. You can give them the update, the your perspective on it. But Mike suggested I use, hey, you could try using push cut where let's say a new issue is opened on a GitHub project. Then that triggers a notification into push cut. And then one of your options is, okay, do you want to add this to a task, to a project into in, uh, OmniFocus? And you mm-hmm. push a button and then it does using shortcuts on your phone locally to add that information to the correct project in OmniFocus. And I was like, ah, that is genius. And there might even be some ways to eliminate you being in the intermediate. I haven't played with push cuts that much. Uh rosemary orchard from automators and we'll link to that on the show notes as well may have some ideas too and it might be worth reaching out to them on talk.automators.io i think that's the url is it it is no oh okay i didn't know if it was .io or .fm oh no it's .fm uh, did you say .io I oh did. no it's .fm sorry Okay, so talk to automators.fm and reaching out to her because it may be possible to whenever the whenever an action is taken on this particular what is GitHub called projects or or um, uh, is that what they're called? Uh, GitHub repo. <laughs> repo. Okay, whenever an action is taken on this repo, then add it to this OmniFocus project, and that might be something you could automatically set up. Uh, So I wasn't really into the automation of task management tools because I kind of wanted to, I like having that control of being able to go in and add add tasks to my projects when I need to do them, but I could definitely see the value of adding automation into your task management workflow. Here's my question for you, and you may or may not have an answer since it's been a little while, is you can't use um, natural language input to the best of your knowledge, can you, on OmniFocus? Not to the best of my knowledge. Uh, Mike tried this. I think you tried this recently. Um, yeah. I thought. And I thought I was just doing something wrong. I thought that was a feature. Uh, hold on one second, though, because you know what? I'm going to Google it. Well, you know, I'm going to actually duck it, but whatever. So, anyways, OmniFocus, I really like the defer dates. Uh, I. I I need to get into the habit of putting all my tasks back into a project manager. Um, I think what I'm first going to do is I need to figure out which one I'm going to stick with and just play with it for a month. And maybe that will be OmniFocus just to see if I like it since I'm back on the iPhone. Uh, And the reason things came into the picture is everything has a subscription now and things to the best of my knowledge was a one-time purchase that I purchased years ago uh, probably 2017. And Marty asked me, he said, well, have you tried things out? I'm like, well, yeah, I tried it a while ago. I don't know about it now. So I redownloaded it and I'm just, I'm just not sold on it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. (laughs) Hopefully by the time this episode publishes, we'll have, I'll be using a project management tool. So that way we can I don't know, get into a regular publishing. Well, we're in a regular publishing schedule, but that way we can have everything on task because 
right now we're still technically two episodes ahead. So, ah, uh, okay. So I'm looking at a website. I will send you a link to this because it has a bunch of little OmniFocus uh, tips, and I will also drop it in the, in the links because I have figured out, or at least I think I have. Because I need to actually do this before I can tell you it worked. But it looks like you can type in natural language for dates. Uh, it looks like it doesn't necessarily give you that for projects, but I need to keep reading also. Anyway, Mike, I'm betting it. I don't need projects, yeah, really, because if I date. can just throw everything into my inbox. Yeah. So, uh, 6D for six days. Ah. Next okay. Tuesday for next Tuesday. Next year for next year, next calendar year. Three weeks, and, two days. And I think you're looking at something that I found while perusing Reddit. You can even do date math, and that's something that I like. Like, you could do next Tuesday minus two day, 2D or something like that. Yeah, it, it. I think it's a little less forgiving than Todoist is and then Fantastical is. Fantastical spoils you if you start there. Uh, they yes. really super-duper spoil you on how... Yes how loosely you can define a date uh but this looks like and that now i do remember this and this has actually been there for a while because uh, i remember using it before uh, on the mac with the quick entry uh window for OmniFocus typing in mm -hmm. such and such and such and such defer until you know defer two weeks uh so yeah i will drop a link to this in the show notes and mark i will message this to you as well because i think it's more the syntax now you can i message me uh, the syntax has to be uh, correct, like yeah. perfect. It's not just you know all loosely defined. So that's good. That that will yeah. actually pull me back in a little quicker. Yeah, I my my next task, and if I find a way, I know there's a way. I just have to have to figure it out. Is and if I find a way, I'll put a note in the show notes. Is to figure out how to move tasks from Todoist to OmniFocus, even if it doesn't keep my structure. As long as it keeps my due dates, then I'll be happy. Ah, uh, you know, I. I think I can export a CSV of tasks from Todoist and possibly import it into OmniFocus. So I'll do some research. That is one possibility. Uh, maybe this only works for pasting internally. I think you can select and copy. It may be weird with a screen reader, so it may not work. And it's only desktop. It's not, I did not see this available Ooh. for mobile. I was going to say, I wonder if I can copy a task in mobile from Todoist, use four fingers <laughs> to the right. <laughs> that would be interesting. You should try it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, there's got to be a way to, to, to yank, export that stuff, pull that stuff out. Maybe there's a shortcut out there to do it. Huh. OmniFocus does have a subscription, but you can also buy the app. Uh, just stand alone on iOS or macOS. I'm not going to get distracted by that. We should probably wrap this episode up unless you have anything else. And we will have more about project management by the time the next episode or two comes out, because by then I need to figure something out because I'm actually super interested in OmniFocus now that I have figured out or been reminded of how you actually put dates in because like you like if i can just get mm -hmm. everything in there then there's other ways to get stuff in there too it's like just if i'm in OmniFocus, i want to be able to just get stuff in there quickly uh and getting into the inbox yeah. is fine uh drafts will let you do some very interesting things shortcuts lets you do more uh so yeah that that works uh i think being forced to go to the inbox also to move stuff around will help 
uh, ensure that I stay on top of so I'll probably gonna I'll open it up for the weeks out uh, <laughs> gotta solve some financial problems first but then I'll open it uh, there you go <laughs> uh, OmniFocus is available Oops. as a subscription for 10 bucks a month that gets you the iOS yeah. Mac and web interface web interface by itself is four ninety nine. I have not looked at it you do get a trial so I will take a look at it to see how useful it is uh, Mike, that could be useful for you uh, if you find it accessible and usable to jump into it on the uh, one computer, computer yeah, that you're using most of the day uh, for most of the week so that you could, you know, maybe add some things in as they occur to you and you don't have to reach over for your phone. Hmm. But then again, it may not be worth five bucks a month to do that. Uh, but it's also included in that $10 a month. It is included in the $10 a month subscription. Uh, for those who are really subscription fatigued to death, like myself, uh, I bought OmniFocus 3 for Mac and iOS before they started a subscription. Like 1Password, they still do offer standalone purchase licenses for, uh, unfortunately for, mm-hmm. um, well, I'm not going to say unfortunately, for, for OmniFocus Mac and iOS, they are separate purchases. The iOS app gets you yep. everything on iOS, though. So I, iOS, iPad OS, Watch OS, uh, and then Mac OS. Uh, if you're like Mike, it does not get you the web. Does access, not get you the web access. That that will cost you yep. money regardless. So, like for me, if I yep. want to use OmniFocus for web, it's going to cost me four ninety nine a month. If I don't want to, because I don't need to pay for the subscriptions yet. Uh, but right. I do want to share. Mike, we can leave this in or not, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I want to share an experience I had. I, I talked earlier about ScreenFlow and uh, the lack of their response to accessibility needs in, in, in an app, admittedly, that is meant for professionals and maybe they don't see the reason a blind person would want to use their app, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's a whole bunch of reasons that people could throw out there why a accessibility need is not a uh, high priority for them. But I had an interesting experience. So I heard about this app. Uh, I, have, I have heard of this app before. Uh, but I recently heard about an update to this app. Uh, so iOS camera app that allows you, the recent update will allow you to connect your phone. I don't know all the details of how you need to connect your phone to a Mac uh, and use it as a webcam. Uh, now, the interesting thing about this is that this is a very high quality professional camera app. Some of the things that you hear about being shot with iPhone 11 Pros and iPhone 10s Maxes and all of that, that were, you know, film quality productions were shot using this actual app. So I, not necessarily for my personal benefit, more so I was like, huh, that sounds like a good movie app for Tia to use to record the kids. So I went and bought it. Uh, mostly for her. Of course, I opened it because I bought it. I was going to open it and see if it works. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So after you get through the permissions screen uh, to give it access to your photos and your camera, your microphone, etc., Nothing in the app's interface was accessible. So I wrote a note to the developers. I said, hey, just bought your app because I heard about this thing. You know, it's possible that I would want to use it as a webcam instead of buying a new webcam uh, because I'm cheap. Uh, mm -hmm. I am financially constrained to the point that a webcam is not an intelligent purchase to make at this current time. Uh, (laughs) Uh, but I reached out to him and, you know, kind of explained to him, like, look, you know, nothing in the app is accessible. I know that there are things I said, first of all, I don't expect this to be a quick turnaround. Uh, 
Secondly, I know there are going to be features and functions of your app that you cannot make accessible uh, simply because the technology is not there. Like no matter of, of accessibility work done on your part is going to give me a blind person the ability to shoot a, you know, Grammy winning film on my iPhone. Like, you know, there ain't nothing right. you can do about that. All right. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but here, here, here are some things I think you could do, which is make the budding, make the buttons in the interface accessible. Uh, and I said, I will, you know, pass along some more information. Well, I got a response back within about two days from a guy. He's like, we're looking at trying to do this. Uh, it could take some time. I can't give you any exact dates, of, of, of course. Uh, and we will invite you to test flight if you're interested in beta testing. It's like, if you're not interested and you want to, you know, apply for a refund for the application, uh, we totally understand. Uh, I was like, well, cool. Good response. It wasn't your typical, we're going to kick this can down the road at some point thing. Like, it was yep. a legitimate, yep. you know, response. I was like, all right, we're going to test this out. So, what I did using QuickTime on the Mac, so there was no audio for me because there's still not a way that I know of. Hey, side note, if this stays in the show, side note, uh, if anybody actually knows how to get my microphone, so your microphone input and voiceover input, your iPhone's input, into QuickTime together, let me know. I uh, haven't been able to figure out how to do that. Uh, but carrying on with this story, I used QuickTime to record the phone, the iPhone screen in the iPhone audio. So there was no verbal feedback from me at all. And I just went through the default camera app interface, uh, just showing them like the buttons and how I can take yeah. a picture, switch through the different modes for video, square photo, etc. Uh and I uh, exported that from QuickTime, uploaded it to Wasabi, uh, and sent them a link. Uh, the response I got back a couple of days later was, hey, that video was great. It was good information. We appreciate it. Uh, really kind of helps to highlight some things. Also, in the meantime, we've been very busy. So uh, here's a test flight link for you to try our app out because <laughs> uh, we have been working on this uh, here are the things that should be accessible now and here are the things that didn't make this initial cut alright so I'm like okay let's see what they did uh, I go to test flight and accept the invite to the app uh, install the beta version of the app I open it up mm -hmm. fully expecting there to be some major issues well I recorded yeah. a very quick little video which I will include in the show notes if this makes the show uh it will. <laughs> I'll include this in the show notes. Uh, just just a quick snippet of video, which I also sent back to the to the uh, the app developers, uh, uh, showing them what I was able to do because the interface of this application was now accessible. Now I did edit this video down because it was much longer, uh, but it's like a quick twelve to fifteen second clip of my daughter dancing around with yeah. her hair out uh, in a giant afro, uh, singing uh, <laughs> a remix version of Baby Shark. Uh, <laughs> I think Mike has managed to kind of mostly bypass the whole baby shark thing because his kids are too old for that shit. I hope. Yep. yep. Uh, okay, yep. good deal. My niece, though. Oh, geez. Yeah, like I said, I, I figured you would probably <laughs> mostly bypass it. Not, not that it completely missed you, yeah. uh, but you mostly bypassed yeah. it. Uh, but we will include that in the uh, show notes as well. But it was like, literally, this is amazing work. I just, uh, Mike has done this before. He submitted feedback. 
somebody pushes out an update, mm-hmm. oh, we're supposed to fix this. Oh, there's still issues. Like, there are some things that they still need to work on. It is not perfect by any means. But it, but they acknowledge those when they exactly, told you about the test flight. Exactly. With, with You know, there are a couple of things I found that they did not mention in their feedback. But again, it's still beta, right? But from this app to go to, I can't even start recording a movie inside of here to, shit, man, I was able to record, go into the settings, customize my settings to say, oh, I want to record at this resolution, use this microphone on my iPhone that lets you pick which microphone you want. So front, back, uh, bottom. Etc. <laughs> right. uh, there's a USB mic. It'll take like yeah, it's got all these options, right? I was going to customize all these options. Come back out, record a video of my kid, and export that. The two things I couldn't do: uh, I couldn't edit the, the snippet inside of the app. Uh, but again, that's that's a thing that they can work on. Uh, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. editing inside of the default photos app to just kind of trim a video is not the most intuitive. Uh, but it might be worth sending them a quick demo of you using Ferrite or something like that to do some basic editing. And though it's not the same concept, maybe they could take some of that knowledge and and apply that to the basic editing on their app. Yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. Uh, it'll probably actually be something like either uh, I'll try again in photos to see if I can get that that process to be a little bit, you know, because <laughs> I had to actually figure it out when I was editing this clip. Uh, but either photos app or maybe iMovie. Uh, Although that 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 might be a mistake, uh, well, I don't know. We'll figure something out though. But I was just I, I was truly uh, and look, man, it's a dumbass camera. Like it's not a bad app, but let's be honest between us, like it's a dumbass camera app that I really don't have any need for. I am not their target audience. Hell, most people, your average person walking around using an iPhone is not really the audience they're going after with this right. app, right? But damn it, man, the amount of work that they put in, and literally in like a week's amount of time to make this app usable and accept like it truly accessible like if you weren't a nosy person like myself somebody's like hey you should get this app because it'll help you record you know your videos really great right and you're a voiceover user or you're like tia that sometimes uses voiceover uh and you're not nosy like me where the first thing i did was go open up settings <laughs> like if you're not that type of person you may not even notice some of the the the, the gotchas right now in the current version now it still is in beta <laughs> Uh, the app is called Filmic Pro. I'm gonna warn you, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a fifteen dollar app. I'll say it's not a not a casual. Oh, I just want to try yeah, filters. Yeah. You know, it's not not a casual user app. Uh, I mainly bought it because uh, Tia will at some point get a new iPhone that'll have multiple cameras, uh, and I would like her to be able to choose which camera she wants to use during video recording. Uh, and yep. this is a very high quality app for capturing good video. So that's one reason I bought it. Secondarily, I do think I will need a additional piece of equipment but at some point i will probably use an iphone as a webcam instead of buying another one because well why should i uh, right i don't really care about the video quality it's just to help you people with eyeballs i could really care less <laughs> left up to me you would get a avatar that occasionally bobs his head that looks like uh i don't know casper the friendly ghost cousin uh <laughs> joey and thirdly the ghost Thirdly, but probably most importantly, their responses to your accessibility inquiries. Yeah, that, that, that is the reason I really want to share this is because like this is the type of response that you get from indie developers from from, you know, some big companies do it. So I'm not going to just shit on the big companies. But like this is something that I have not seen in a while when it comes to addressing an accessibility let's, issue. Let's see what type of response you and Allison get from Loom. 
yeah, I, I will follow up on that, which is kind of what got me there, like thinking about that. And it's like, huh, I should reach out to him because and also to make the point uh, to our listeners that are blind uh, or have any sort of disability of, of any sort that need some type of enhancement or improvement to accessibility of, of, of an application or service is I reached out to this company totally with no expectation of getting anything done in like the next three months. Like literally, because why? It doesn't matter, right? It really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, within less than a week, it's like, geez, this app is really kind of fucking cool. Like I didn't realize it was this cool until I could use it. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but it just goes to show like it is worth the time uh, to reach out to a company, especially if you don't have a bad taste in your mouth with said company. Like there are some places yeah. I run into a problem with their shit. And it's like, all right, whatever, fuck it. If I have to use it, I'll work around it. If I don't have to use it, screw it. Uh, but look, there's a lot of there's millions of developers out there in the world on iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, Chrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linux even has some developers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's worth reaching out and explaining like don't rant rage at people that's one thing Allison said too that I thought was very smart like a snarky stuck up yakety bullshit email is not going to get you a good response uh, simply nope. writing to a company and explaining what the problem is like look I these are my needs this is where my needs are not being met uh, is there something you can do just look ask them a flat out question like, I'm like fix it yeah. I'm like look it's just something that you think you can address, right? Because all I wanted them to tell me was mm-hmm. like, well, we don't really have time for this right now. This could be something put on our future roadmap. Okay, Apple, I want a refund. Give me my 15 bucks back. Like, fuck. Right, right. Uh, well, give me my $15 in iTunes credit back. Uh, whatever. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, let me have my money back. Uh, but no, it's like, oh, no, we'll work on this. And I felt good enough about the response. I'm like, okay, well, a couple of months till better use this for Thanksgiving, Christmas, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like shit in a week. Yeah, yeah I go. Blind guy recording movies. Movie will be in the show notes, people. Uh, Mike, you got anything else to say? Nope. He's on Twitter at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. I'm on Twitter at Payone, P-A-Y-O-W-N. And the show notes are at... YourOwnPay.com slash DM58. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit YourOwnPay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, YourOwnPay.com.